Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Slop Dog, the Brainiacs are ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome into Leather Brains. Your host here, Slap Dog, and today is November 8th, episode 145. And officially now the end of week 9 with week 10 on the horizon. I am not here alone. I have a very good friend here today. Of course, it's Wednesday. So welcome in, Yeti. It's great to have you here. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are all awake from that fucking snooze fest that we watched on Monday night. Yikes. What fest? Is that what we're calling it now? Or what? I yeah, I that was that was terrible. It was so boring and just unexciting and I I really truly what flex it out. Like, I don't I get know. it. Like, NFL just flex it out. Like, you know this game. We knew this game going into this game that it was going to be boring and terrible, and they decided to keep it in. And I'm like, why? Just flex it and out. It, yeah, it's the same thing with Thursday night games and Sunday night God. games. It, it feels like they've all just been snoozers, snoozers. man. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> have. Yeah, it's been terrible. So we'll talk about that here in just a moment, oh. Yeti. And that's not all we're going to talk about. Today, we are going to be talking about the biggest surprises and disappointments so far this season. There's a little bit of both fantasy and NFL content, so for those that do not play fantasy, you should, but there's some NFL content here as well. Uh, We're going to play Flex Appeal, of course, it's Wednesday, we got to get flexy, so we're going to do that, and then at the end of the episode, we are going to be answering people's questions, the brain busters, so if anybody has any questions, go over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, we do appreciate it, and then put your questions in the comment section, and we will answer them at the end of the show. Let's do it, let's get into Monday Night Football Yeti. Like we talked about, this was a snooze fest, but I want to start out with this. I'm going to, for for those watching, I'm tipping my hat to Coach Robert Salah. First and foremost, Yeti, that man has a delicious beard. He has got a good-looking beard, and I saw that and was like, damn, I did not know he could grow such a luscious and sexy-looking beard. So wanted to start there. I, I do think he's got a great beard. So where does it rank compared to like Ryan Fitzpatrick's beard? Okay. Oh, I know you beards. have a boner for I do have I do but. Ryan Fitzmagic is the man. They they are they're different beards. Robert Salah's beard is a a very professional beard. It's Ryan Fitzmagic, yes, it's very yes, it's a good word for it, sleek. Ryan Fitzmagic is wily. It's crazy. And it's also really cool. So Ryan's a little bit longer, a little bit thicker, and a little bit crazier. Uh Coach Salah's is um 
it's a little bit more tame, respectful, but still very luscious and sexy in its own way. So, so kind of like my beard. Very close to your that. beard, a little okay. bit longer than your beard. Yeah, you keep yeah. yours pretty tight knit. His is a little bit longer, but still equally as delicious. So I wanted to shout out his beard, but I also just wanted to shout out Coach Salah in general. I, I To be honest with you, Eddie, I actually got quite a bit of respect for him. I really do. I think he is a good coach, and I think that really what does it for me is that he and this is this is almost kind of gross to say he continues to defend Zach Wilson which like I I don't think Zach Wilson's a good quarterback I don't think Zach Wilson is the future of the Jets and I don't think that that the Jets organization or coach Slaw believes that but he repeatedly is constantly asked why are you starting Zach Wilson why is Zach Wilson like what's going on with the quarterback situation today there was an interview and when I wrote this this interview had not come out yet because it hadn't happened yet but um he did kind of stutter a little bit when they asked him why do they not start Simeon and he kind of he said he pleaded the fifth I don't know you got me but he really hasn't talked a lot of crap on Zach Wilson and I do respect that from a coaching perspective because if he were to get up there and just say, we know Wilson sucks. Everybody knows that Wilson sucks. But for him to not actually say that, I think just holds a lot of credence to who he is and what his character is. And the fact that he's not going to go up there and bash one of his young players that they they do need. They need Zach Wilson right now because they don't have Aaron Rodgers. And so they don't. he doesn't want to demoralize him anymore. And he knows, like, Zach Wilson's not stupid. He knows that he's not playing great. But my question is, is, is it not? only the O-line's fault here? Like, can we not blame the O-line? I think Zach Wilson has taken steps from where he was last year in progression, but I think his O-line is so bad that there's also some some troublesome areas there. Yeah, I think you saw that very clearly on Monday night. He got sacked, what, eight times? Which is insane. Like, no quarterback is going to perform under that kind of pressure. I mean, you look at Justin Herbert on the other side. We'll talk about him here in a minute, but he got sacked five times, and he didn't have a great game either so Mm -hmm. there's only so much you can do as a quarterback when um you have less than two seconds to throw the ball and that's what zach wilson is dealing with on top of the fact that he's not a good quarterback nor is he an average quarterback he's he's probably a backup in this league yes that's all he should be at this point so I feel I, bad for him, but no, I do. But like, I—that's where he's at. But like I said, more than anything else, I do have some respect for Coach Salah in that regard because he is—he's not sitting up there bashing his quarterback. And I don't know if most head coaches maybe would, but very clearly, like he's trying to protect him. And I, I do—I think that's very admirable. So I just wanted to shout out Coach Salah for that. And they're in New York too, which is home of home of the media. So they're gonna get on Zach Wilson's ass. All- Every time he fucks up, sure. social media is on his ass every time he messes up. So somebody's got to be the cheerleader in the background, and that's probably only Robert Salah at this point in the locker room. Probably. Yeah. You talked about the Chargers offense, or you mentioned him, so let's talk about him. Herbert was held without a passing touchdown for just the fifth time in his four-year career. So how much stock do you put in this performance tonight? Because Or tonight on uh, a Monday night's game because the Jets defense is a very good defense. Yeah, I'm not putting too much stock into this performance. It is a little worrisome because Justin Herbert's dealing with a broken finger on his left hand, which he's playing football with one hand. Like, have you tried to play cards with one hand before? That's difficult. Now, I couldn't imagine having to run away from 300-pound guys and trying to throw a football with one hand. Like, 
the fuck? Um, but not only is his hand an issue, but he was sacked five times, as I had mentioned. So it's not like he had a bunch of time to get the ball out. And once you get sacked a couple of times, that internal clock is running and it's just, it's bad news bears. Um, but I, what I do want to talk about um, is this offense as a whole, the Chargers offense as a whole, because this is the second year in a row where Justin Herbert has only had Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen uh, with Mike Williams missing time for various reasons, whether it's a hamstring or torn ACL or ribs or whatever the fuck he's dealing with. So Eckler turns into a PPR machine when Mike Will is out. But Austin Eckler, he's 29 years old. He doesn't have a contract. Keenan Allen, he's turning 32 years old next year. He's owed $23 million, $23 million. Mike Williams, he turns 30 years old next year and he's due $20 million. So my question is, what do you think the future of the Chargers offense looks like? We had this conversation last season and I think I saw it before a lot of people did. And I, I don't say that to toot my own horn, but because it's been on my mind very frequently and I, I, I'm concerned. I think you should be concerned. I was I was screaming from the rooftops, you need to sell Justin Herbert for dynasty purposes. You need to sell him while you still can. That was where I was at last year, and I was telling people you need to do that because this is going to implode at some point. It hasn't yet this year. We're starting to see it crumble, but it's I think it's on the horizon. I will say this. I was I was happy that the Chargers took a wide receiver in the first round because they desperately needed to. The issue that we're having is we really haven't seen Quentin Johnston super involved in this offense. Is it because of his talent? Is it because of the coaching? Is it? I don't know what it is. I would probably say talent more than anything else at this juncture, but that's concerning to me because you get a first-round wide receiver. He's, he's not even really on the field that much. He's starting to get more involved, mostly due to injury, but... This last this last game was the most that he's been on the field at eighty three percent, which is what I wanted to see three or four weeks ago. It's what I when Mike Williams went out with an injury, I wanted to see Quentin Johnson on the field eighty percent of the time. I wanted to see him get more involved, and and he hasn't. And Joshua Palmer is probably a, a component of that because he effectively has now become the wide receiver too. He was hurt. That's why Quentin Johnson was on the field. Was he utilized this last week? No. He went two for three for 14 yards. I'm not excited about where this offense is going. You have a lot of aging assets on it. And I, to be honest with you, I'm not excited for the Chargers in the future unless they do a lot of acquisitions this offseason and a lot of moving of pieces to to right that ship. Yeah, and I haven't looked at who's going to be a free free agent for next season, but like you had mentioned, they are going to need to do a complete overhaul of this offense if they want to succeed in the future, especially knowing guys like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have injury history. Like, I doubt they keep Mike Williams next year. I bet he's going to be a cap casualty, but Keenan Allen is probably, I think he's a charger for life. Sure. Whether that means they restructure his contract or... Um, they just write it out, but he's he's staying there. So knowing that, they need to go find a, a true wide receiver too. And I don't think they have that with Quinn Johnson. And I don't. I'm not just saying that because of you know half a season. But Quinn Johnson doesn't project to be that wide receiver one alpha in the offense. He's a vertical threat, and that's all he is. I look at him kind of like a Martavius Bryant. 
who just got signed by Dallas last week. But before that, he was floating around in the XFL and USFL, you know, whatever. So I think they have a lot of big decisions to make this offseason if they want to succeed going forward. For dynasty purposes, do you try and sell these guys before the trade deadline? I mean, is that where you're Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler? Austin Eckler is what, running back 26 on the season? Which is a far cry from where you drafted him at. Yeah, I, I think I if I'm a contender, I would trade for Austin Eckler. And I say that knowing that he turns into a PPR machine when Mike Williams is out. And it, it's showing, you know, the past two games, Austin Eckler has been healthy, but his receptions have gone up and he is the offense at this point. When Keenan Allen is drawing double coverage, Austin Eckler's getting the check down. So I like Austin Eckler if you're a contender. If you're kind of in the middle, you know, sell him for what you what you think is fair, right? At this point, like a late round first rounder probably sounds about fair because it's not like Austin Eckler's 30 years old. He's up sure. there in age, sure. But well, for running back, especially, you know, wide receivers, we're starting to see some of these wide receivers still have relevance going into their 30s. But there's not many running backs that have a, a much tread left on their tires. So mm-hmm. I, I and the other part of this conversation is he's not going to be with the Chargers next year. You know, so where's he going to go? Is he going to go to a worse home? Is he going to go to someone that is not going to throw him the ball? which would be silly because that's what you would get Austin Eckler for. But there's just a lot of moving pieces in this entire storyline that make me very scared for the Chargers, which kind of sucks because if the Chargers made some of the right moves, I think they could certainly contend in this conference right now. The Raiders aren't, aren't good. Sorry. The Broncos whoa, 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 whoa. are not good. And the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're always going to be pretty good with Patrick Mahomes there. But like if, if they actually made some moves and did some of the right things, they I think they could, especially this year, I think they could contend. They could have contended. So... I don't know. It's, the, the Chargers' future for me is um, starting to get a little scary. If I was a Chargers fan, I would I would be a little worried. I'm not going to hit the panic button, but I'm I'm definitely I see it over there out of the corner of my eye, and I'm like, what are we doing here? And I think this conversation is totally different if everybody's healthy, including Justin Herbert, because I think this year is probably the the one of the few years that I've seen that the Chiefs have been gettable. And mm-hmm. by gettable, I don't mean that their slouches or anything, but the, the offense doesn't have as much firepower. So um, I know they saw Patrick Mahomes, but if you have a high power offense like the Chargers are supposed to at full strength, I think the Chargers could knock the Chiefs out. But at this point, that's a far cry. You think Brandon Staley should be fired? You think they should move on from him? Is he part of this problem? He certainly doesn't help the problem. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't know if he I get the hate for Brandon Staley. I truly do with some of the boneheaded decisions that he's made. But if we look at Ron Rivera, he he's called Riverboat Ron because he was making stupid decisions in his days with Carolina. So it's like if that's the only reason we're firing Staley, then really? Um I want to say he's part of the problem. I'd say it's about 50-50. I think it's him, and I think it's a combination of injuries and the offense kind of just shit in the bed. Okay. I I don't think the play calling's been there, and I think most people the, – the thing that I don't like about it is um, I, I don't like the fact that they have a lot of talent on this roster and they're just not getting success. That, to me, screams a coaching issue. 
when you have a, a and I understand the health is obviously played a, a very big part in all of this narrative, but there is so much talent on this roster, and they're just not they're not winning games that they should. And for me, that's that's I, I think the coach shares a large majority of that blame. You think this is like a undefeated team if they have Dan Campbell at head coach? Oh, easily. I think any team with Dan Campbell <laughs> automatically gets a couple games. Uh, in the win column just because they have him there so fair enough yeah. football guy football, football guy. guy oh yeah uh we got buys coming up yeti and i'm not talking about sync. i'm talking about football baby there is four teams and four very prominent fantasy teams that are on by this week so we've got the chiefs eagles dolphins and rams if you've heard me say any of those teams they are on by make sure to check your lineup and for anybody who's in 15 fantasy leagues like any of us here at Leatherbrains you are changing all of your lineups and i'm sure that almost everybody has at least one of these players on their roster i certainly know that i do and i have to move pieces around so chiefs eagles dolphins and rams are on by this week that really sucks because that's a lot of fantasy output so once again the nfl screwing us over i'm tired of these these overseas games and I'm tired of them putting a bunch of really good teams on by at the same time because it affects everybody for fantasy football. I think it's bullshit. Yeah, this just means you got to listen to our Flex Appeal segment towards the end of the show. Bingo. Great sell there, Yeti. I love that. Let's talk about our biggest surprises and disappointments so far this season. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are halfway through the season, officially. Now, week nine is over. So the the we are halfway through the regular season. And... There are things that I think just I, I would like to discuss, and I will start it out with Cooper Cup. I, for fantasy football, what a disappointment Cooper Cup has been as a first round pick. It has not looked good for him at all. He's wide receiver fifty five on the year. He struggled with injury. His quarterback is doing the same. His you know Matthew Stafford, his hand is broken or something's going on with his hand. Mm-hmm. Is this the beginning of the decline for Cooper Cup, do you think? Like, for fantasy purposes, maybe, you know, NFL, maybe he's, he's going to be around for a few more years probably. But, like, we've seen Puka Nukua come in or Pookie Nuki or whatever we're calling him these days. <laughs> and he's been very efficient and very effective. He's young. He's talented. Nobody saw this coming. And Cooper Cup has struggled with injury. He came back and has still not looked like Cooper Cup of the last two years. So... Is this the start of the end? Um, As far as fantasy relevancy, it's hard for me to write off Cooper Cup just because of that relationship that he does have with Matthew Stafford and their their cute little breakfast dates. I mean, I wish me and you could do that sometime. Me you too. know, go on a breakfast date. Like, that oh, sounds so nice. nice. Yeah, that'd be cute. But um, I, I'm not ready to hit the full panic button. I think it's fair to call him a, a big disappointment where we drafted him. But this offense is kind of shifting its gears a little bit. Um, they they found their guy in Kyron Williams, and when he was healthy, he was averaging over 16 touches a game. So not only is Cooper Cup losing you know targets at Puka Nakua, but Kyron Williams is getting more involved. They're slowing down the game a little bit with Kyron Williams running the ball. So this offense might be shifting from Cooper Cup as our 300 target guy or 200 target guy to okay. We're, we are going to even this out a little bit. Let's get Kyron involved. Let's get our, our guy Puka involved now that he can make plays. So, I don't, yeah, Cooper Cup is a fantasy disappointment, 
disappointment from the perspective of a first round draft pick. Yeah. I mean, like just based upon and you know, everybody that plays fantasy football, it's what have you done for me lately? That's mm-hmm. we we've talked about that before. I think it's a, a narrative that everybody who plays this game certainly spins at one point or another. Let's spin it with Cooper Cup right now. I mean, has he has he devolved to a third round pick next year? Is that like kind of where he's at for his production level? I because he's not he's probably not a first rounder. Yeah, I mean, at this point. I I would yeah yeah I think that's a kind late of second we're at. early third maybe is yeah. kind of like that's where I look at him. I'd be interested and obviously we're gonna figure this out next year when we go to to redraft formats and are looking at ADPs. But just a very early look at it. I, I've been really disappointed with Cooper Cup. I've and I think anybody who owns Cooper Cup has been disappointed with Cooper Cup. And you're not really getting any sort of relevant performance from him. And there's probably, maybe not this point in the season, but potentially some waiver wire people that are doing better than he is right now, you know? So it, it sucks. And Puka Nakua, certainly, he's uh, a much better own for the Rams wide receiver room right now than Cooper Cup or has been previously. So, Yeah, especially value-wise, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think Puka Nakua goes at the same time as Cooper Cup next year? I think, it, assuming Matthew Stafford is healthy... I think they're going to be pretty damn close to each other. I I think yeah. that because you you can't figure it out, right? I think if anything, Puka might like. I think he could go before Cup. I don't know, but I think it's going to largely. I think what's really going to happen is how they end the season is going to determine a lot of that with Matthew Stafford back on the field and seeing a target share. Because realistically, we haven't seen all three of these people on the field for many games together. It's been a sprinkle of them. So I would like more of a sample size, and I think that's just we're waiting for Matthew Stafford to get back to try and maybe decipher the code a little bit more. Either way, Cooper Cup has been, uh, I think I'm going to call him a bust this season. That is completely fair at this point, yeah. So sucks, but I just I wanted to talk about it because I was disappointed, and, and I – I wouldn't have seen this quick of a uh, a decline in him, and and we've seen it this season. So, yeah. And while you you're uh, disappointed in Cooper Cup, I have a disappointment slash a few surprises on my uh, my take here. So, I want to talk about Jacksonville, and when I say Jacksonville, I mean the whole offense. Um, I, I think it's surprising slash disappointing for a couple of different reasons. So my first reason is going to be the passing attack. Um, Trevor Lawrence, at this current point in the season, he's a fantasy quarterback 17 behind Baker Mayfield, behind Russell Wilson, Jordan Love. And where you drafted Sunshine, you're hoping for a guy that's going to be in the top 10, especially with the way that this offense looked to finish off the season last year. So Trevor Lawrence, obviously, from a fantasy perspective, he's struggling. And obviously, in turn, that's probably going to affect some of the pass catchers on that team. So let's look at Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. This was a huge point of conversation that we had in the offseason. Calvin Ridley, he's going to be the wide receiver one. We like him in the middle rounds. A lot of people drafted him in the fourth or fifth round, expecting Calvin Ridley to be the guy. You know, he, he had that wide receiver one upside. But at this current point, Christian Kirk is actually outperforming Calvin Ridley. Um, If you compare their stats, they are about the same, which is kind of surprising, right? Because Christian Kirk, he is a wide receiver 21 for PPR formats. Calvin Ridley is a wide receiver 42. 
but they're averaging the same targets. Their yards are only a few, few, uh, few numbers away from each other. Um, but what does it is, is the catches, right? The way that Christian Kirk is being used in this offense is Christian Kirk is a slot and he's seeing all the easy short passes underneath. Whereas Calvin Ridley, he's averaging damn near 14 yards per target, which is, you know, he's a vertical threat type of guy in this offense. So they're hurting quite a bit. You know, Christian Kirk is, he's usable, right? He's a wide receiver too at this current point. So you're probably starting him happily. But you drafted him, what, seventh, eighth round, you know, four or five rounds later than Calvin Ridley. So my hat's off to Calvin Ridley owners because you have to be pretty disappointed in Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley at this point. I was never buying this offense. And the only thing that I'm disappointed in is that I wasn't purchasing Travis Etienne, which I know we're going to talk about in a second. But I, I wasn't sold on Sarah Jessica Parker. I wasn't. I and I I was never really excited to get any pieces of this offense. He looked great at the end of last year, but before that, and I it, it's it's kind of the same thing, but in the in the inverse of it is what have you done for me lately? For me, it was what have you done period in the NFL? And he had a couple good games at the end of the year which kind of spiked his hot streak and then a lot of people were excited because Calvin Ridley was coming back. Let's not forget Calvin Ridley was a year and some change removed from playing football. So you have that as as a little asterisk there for Calvin Ridley's usage. And then, like you mentioned, Christian Kirk has was the wide receiver one this last season. And for fantasy, he's certainly the wide receiver one for the Jaguars. But why? You you said it perfectly. He's being utilized in the slot. Trevor Lawrence is is taking the easy throws, which is is to be expected, but he's not bombing it far downfield. He is sometimes and and you know, that's when Ridley is mostly effective, but it's not like he's doing those often. It's it's more more to Christian Kirk, and it shows. So I, I was never super excited to draft anybody in this offense, Travis Etienne included. I'm shooting myself in the foot a little bit for that, and I'm sure that you are as well, because I don't think I think that we assume that because they drafted Tank Bigsby that Etienne was going to start splitting a workload and and he's not. He's actually doing really well. Yeah. Yeah, Travis Etienne is, in my mind, the main reason why Trevor Lawrence and the pass catchers are kind of struggling this year, having a quote-unquote down year. Uh, Travis Etienne, he's currently the running back three in fantasy formats or PPR formats, um, but he has a monster workload so far this season. Uh, The whole industry was basically saying Tank Bigsby is going to come in including myself, Tank Bigsby is going to come in and he's going to take a 40% snap share. That's what I said. And I look stupid. So I apologize for anybody who listened to me. Um, But last year, Travis Etienne, he had 13 carries per game. This year, it's up to 19 carries per game. And I'm not even talking about his receptions in that number either. So he's getting utilized in the passing game even more. Doug Peterson wasn't joking when he said that he wanted to utilize ETN a little more, which I thought would just coach speak, coach speak after Doug Peterson's track history of using a committee. So mm-hmm. Travis ETN, he's a workhorse back there. Um, and he's a huge reason why this offense is disappointing from a pass catcher perspective. And one more thing is this team is playing with the lead more often. That means they don't have to throw the ball as much. Whereas last year they were playing from behind quite a bit, more pass attempts, more benefits for the pass catchers. So, 
Yeah, this like it. it I was on the same train that you were, right? I, I was on the I'm not touching ETN pull or train because I believed that Tank Bigsby was going to play a part in it. You look at where his draft capital was, and it wasn't bad. You look at what Doug Peterson, old Dougie P, has historically done, as you mentioned, and it's it's typically had a split backfield. So you you add all of these components together, and it's like there's no way that ETN's going to finish as a top ten back when he's competing for touches, and a, and that's you know we were wrong, and I I don't think I think. A lot of people who are, are fantasy analysts, such as ourselves, don't admit their faults and try and push them under the rug. And I, I think that you got to understand this. No matter what, no matter who you listen to, nobody's right 100% of the time. And what we do here is we try and provide you with enough facts and enough statistics and enough argument behind a narrative for it to make sense. It doesn't mean it's going to. Right, we don't know. We're not in the locker room. We're not sitting there talking to the coaches and seeing the plays that they're going to call in the roster that they're going to they're going to use. But what we are doing is we're saying Doug Peterson hasn't used uh, one running back before. They drafted Tank Bigsby pretty early, so like the narrative is there for, it, and that's what we bring to the table when we sit there and say, "This is why I'm not drafting this guy." It doesn't mean that it's going to work out for us, but this is why. So I think that I just wanted to point that out because while while you were wrong. While I was wrong, it doesn't mean that the the narrative behind the why was wrong. It's just we were proven wrong because Doug Peterson's Doug Peterson and Travis Etienne is a really good football player. Yeah, and since I admitted that I was wrong, I can admit I was right to something, and that was that I said Christian Kirk was out going to he was going to outproduce Calvin Ridley, which so far he has. So shout out he, to me. 50%. Well, yeah, one and one <laughs> over there for the Jaguars, but. Let's uh, let's talk about another running back that that actually hasn't seen the field like ETN has, and that being Bajon Robinson. This is another disappointment. I brought t- two disappointments today, Eddie. I didn't bring a lot of surprises; just yeah. mostly sadness, no and happiness. Despair. No, yeah. I want to really mellow gloom everyone out. Yeah, yeah. Bajon Robinson is gloom and doom, and that's what that's what his narrative has been all season long. He's not been nearly as involved as everybody thought he'd be, myself included. He was a first round draft pick. For not only the Falcons, but for fantasy football. He was, what, number seven overall for the Falcons? Where in the hell is Bajan Robinson? He And, like, you look at it from, from a team perspective. The Falcons are a run-first team. They have a really good offensive line. They run the ball very effectively. And then the Falcons draft a running back with the seventh overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. One of the highest-touted running backs in the last few years to enter the NFL. Where is he? They have a lot of weapons on this team. They have Kyle Pitts. They have Drake London. Their quarterback has been a, a problem. They have Bajan Robinson, Tyler Algier. Like they, they have a lot going on in this team as far as potential. And I just I, I think a lot of it's Arthur Smith, man. Like that that's where I'm at. I, I I'm so disheartened to see Bajan Robinson passes the eye test. And I know that that is not a statistical analysis, but that's what it is. He is a game-changing running back that could be a difference maker, and he is standing on the sideline while you have Jonu Smith running sweeps to try and get a touchdown. That's poor coaching. That's all that that is to me. And it's very disheartening. It's very disappointing. And I know that we we joke around about coaches getting fired. I think Arthur Smith should be fired. Period. Because this is a disgrace what he's doing to Bajan Robinson and his team. 
Yeah. And earlier you had talked about Brandon Saley probably needs to get fired for his lack of success with the roster that he has. Well, I think Arthur Smith can fall in that same category because this offense, if you look at all the pieces that they have that you just named off minus the quarterback, this offense is bottom 10 in the NFL for scoring. But this should easily be like a top five offense in my mind when you consider the fact that they have one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running backs, and they have two elite pass catchers that are just not being utilized. And it doesn't make any sense um, as to why Arthur Smith still has a job at this point. And I think a lot of it might have to do with the fact that they're in the NFC South, so they're still competitive, which is sad to say, but uh, you know they're 4-4 four and four at this point. They, they can still get a playoff. They can still win the division. So... Unfortunately, it's going to take like a major losing spell at this point to get Arthur Smith fired. And I never, you know, want people to get fired, but for the for the benefit of some of the players on the Atlanta Falcons roster, I think I want him gone. I think but like I I yeah, I'm not sitting here rooting for anybody to lose their job, but like I think that at some point it's not I'm I'm rooting for you to get fired but I I need I need to see change because you're not doing what you need to do to succeed and that's where it's at with Arthur Smith. I I just I I don't understand. I really don't understand how you can't play Bajan Robinson. Tyler Algier outtouched Bajan Robinson this last week. I just don't understand it. I I really don't. It is very disheartening and I think if you're a Falcons fan like I know Falcons fans are ready to be done with Arthur Smith and I I understandably so I've seen and then I've seen other people like you mentioned who like especially on the Twitterverse you get on Twitter or X now and and you see so many people like we posted a, a tweet and I said this on last episode but we had posted a tweet about like which head coach is next on the chopping block after Josh McDaniels and it was like I saw like Arthur Smith shouldn't be on here. He's winning the division. And it's like, look at the division. It's trash. And so, yeah, while he's winning the division, if you took this, if you took the Falcons team and put them on any other division in the NFL, they are not in first place. And now obviously they aren't because it's the Saints. But like, yes, they still have potential. But at the end of the day, Arthur Smith ain't getting it done. And, and that is very clear that it's not this team's fault. I think it's purely coaching. Yeah. Yeah. And another big coaching decision that he's making is using Tyler Algier in the inside the red zone more than Bajan Robinson. You look at the touches that Algier is seeing in the red zone. He has 25 carries as opposed to Bajan's nine. And then we get closer to the goal line. Algier has 10 carries inside the 10 and Bajan Robinson. He has two. Stupid. How, how does that make any sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like it's like trying to reason why Dan Campbell uses David Montgomery over Jameer Gibbs. You just can't reason it. It doesn't well, make any sense. No, you're you're right. The only difference is the Lions are still winning games. Yeah, and right. like that's I think that's the narrative. Like if they were if the Falcons were still winning these games and like do like their offense looked explosive like the Lions do, you can't sit there and yell at Dan Campbell for not using Jameer Gibbs because at the end of the day, they're not playing fantasy football. They're playing NFL football and they're here to win, but the Falcons aren't doing that either. So that's in, that's what I just don't understand. I don't know. Arthur Smith's dad is the founder of FedEx. So maybe that's why he got the job is because his dad bought it for him. I don't know. I'm just, I'm spitball and we'll see what sticks, but I, I think it's time for Arthur Smith to move on. I think it's time for the Falcons to move on from Arthur Smith. 
what do you think it takes to get it done? Because you would think losing to a quarterback who's only been with the team for two or three days would get you fired. I, I thought it was. But I, I guess that's not a deciding factor. Like, got, Do they have to go on like a, a three or four game losing skid to even consider firing him? I don't know why they haven't. And like, I, like I, I don't, I, truthfully, I don't know. Why have you not gotten rid of this guy? We as fans can see it. We as is. As analysts or, or watchers of the NFL know that this Falcons team has a lot better roster than what they're currently doing right now. So what what gives? Take another coach, throw him in there, and I bet they find more success. Because Josh Arthur Daniels. Okay. Take take most NFL. We'll say two thirds of NFL coaches can find more success <laughs> with the Falcons than than Arthur Smith is currently doing. So I, I just wanted to go on that rant a little bit. I feel bad for Bajan Robinson owners for fantasy football because he was drafted a later first round pick for redraft formats. He was go he was supposed to be the next Saquon Barkley or the next Christian McCaffrey or the next Bell Cow tough ass between the tackles, getting you fifteen to twenty fantasy points a game running back, and he hasn't done any of it. And it's not his fault. So it sucks. Yeah. It's like that, playing a game of Where's Waldo. It is. So where's Bajan? <laughs> all right, that's it. That's I, I'm going to get off my rant here because I could do this all day. Yeah, we're going to get happy now. All, all right, right, let's do it. We're going to go from a young, promising guy to an old guy named This makes Adam me sad, too. Thielen. Ooh, I think uh, this is one of everybody's biggest misses. Like, if, if you were to tell me that Adam Thielen would be a wide receiver 10 or a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy leagues, at the beginning of the season, I probably would have slapped you. Like I, I'm curious how much money you would have made if you had put a bet that Adam Thielen yeah. was a top ten, top 10 wide receiver. Because I know you can bet on that type of shit. No, you can. But, We'd have to go look at like old lines and stuff. I, I'm sad. I'm so sad by this because I owned Adam Thielen week. Like I drafted him late round. And then I dropped him for, I think it was Kyron Williams. So, like, I couldn't be too angry. But, like, I'm still pretty disappointed because I had a top 10 wide receiver, let him go to waivers, and then he was picked up and, and obviously has exploded. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think his offseason signing wasn't very flashy, you know, with Carolina. And we all kind of wrote him off just like we did with Geno Smith and uh hopkins a couple weeks ago but perhaps we didn't really consider his potential passive fantasy success in this offense um you know you look at this offense they had drafted bryce young and they had signed adam thielen um dj shark and hayden hurst out of those three guys we should have known that adam thielen was probably the most talented guy out of the group sure. um and so where i'm getting at with this is Adam Thielen is the most talented guy, so he's going to get peppered with targets with a young quarterback like Bryce Young. So my question to you, Slaps, you know, just for you know, something that we can keep in our back pocket, do you think this is a lesson that we need to remember for next season? Uh, not to write off some of these older uh, wide receivers that may go to young or teams with young quarterbacks. You know, we look at Drake May next year and Caleb Williams. What if they go to a team that, you know, is kind of similar to the Panthers and they make some signings? In the I can't offseason? think of like, a worse team than the Panthers, though. Maybe the Patriots, like for like an offensive landing spot for for a quarterback. Like, 
Yeah. The Panthers are bad, and the Panthers have a bad offensive roster, and and they mm-hmm. do. Like you can, we can sit here and talk about Adam Thielen and how good he is for fantasy this year, and he is. But like, you look at this roster, and you're like, this is disgusting. You have mm-hmm. this rookie quarterback with a bunch of trash, <laughs> like, you know, like these old assets that really were just kind of deadbeats or trending towards deadbeats in the NFL that are like roster filler guys. And they're like, well, we'll sign him. Like, we'll take him because we don't have anything. So I, I don't know. Like, you, you talk about a Drake May or a Caleb Williams. Like, what worse spot is there for Bryce Young to lay? Like, what, what worse spot is there than the Panthers? I don't think there is one. So I, I see where you're coming from. I, I think for me, there was a, there's a couple different narratives here. I really thought that this team was going to utilize Miles Sanders in a more favorable fashion. I think most people probably did. I expected their run game to be a little bit better. They, you know, we saw Deontay Foreman last year with them, as well as the other running back whose name is currently escaping me. Um, and they were running the ball it, when they traded Christian McCaffrey. They were still running the ball. Those guys found fantasy usage, and I thought, man, Miles Sanders is going to still be fine. Miles Sanders going over here is going to be fine. He hasn't been great. He's been pretty lackluster to say the least. And I also probably put a little bit too much stock in Jonathan Mingo. They're a wide receiver rookie that they drafted this year. He's on the field a lot, but he really isn't usable for fantasy football at this point. Maybe that changes down the road. You know, it, it, as he gets more comfortable in the NFL and Bryce Young gets more comfortable and this team gets a, hopefully a little bit better in the next couple of years, maybe that changes. But right now, that's not the case. And so you talk about Adam Thielen and his resurgence. Adam Thielen has been great, but let's not forget, Adam Thielen was just a really good wide receiver for a very long time with the, with the Vikings. So... The only reason the Vikings moved on from him is because he was an aging asset and they wanted to bring in some youth and some ta- like some new young talent there versus some fresh blood. Exactly. So some fresh legs, some something new and something that is going to be a uh, a a future look for their franchise versus keeping an old wide receiver around. So Adam Thielen was still good. That was never in question. It was just a matter of can Bryce Young get him the ball. And I think that's kind of the narrative. Adam or Adam Thielen. Bryce Young is able to get him the ball for fantasy purposes, but that doesn't mean the Carolina Panthers are any better. Yeah, all five ten of you know Bryce Young is getting him the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I, like I said, I, this makes me sad because I kind of saw that like very in like just a thought. I was like a late round flyer for Adam Thielen. Why the hell not? Why not? So I did it. And, you know, I dropped him after week one because at the beginning of the season, you have to dig through the waiver wire and try and get, try and find that value. And I was like, well, Adam Thielen, you know, he only got two targets in week one. This isn't going to be it for him. He's 33 years old. This team's going to be just as bad as I thought it was. And he's not going to be usable. I'll drop him for, for a, another guy. And I, th- I like I said, I think it was Kyron Williams. I'm not too sure. Um, and so I did. So I let him go. And it haunts me to this day because he's a wide receiver nine on the season and I just, I let him free. But I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, the Panthers, I don't think Panthers are just an organization where you look at them and you're like, dude, they're going nowhere fast. Yeah. And it, it, you know, you asked what teams are in a worse position that would get like Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, the Patriots need a quarterback. The Cardinals maybe need a quarterback. Uh, the Raiders might need a quarterback. The Falcons need a quarterback. The Bears do. But like if like They're those five teams, they all have a you know they all have a wide receiver one at this current point. Even like Green Bay, if they get rid of Jordan Love, I would take those wide receivers over what the Panthers have 
in a heartbeat. Not even I, yes, the wide receivers, of course, but just the team in general is just in a better yeah. position. I think that like the Panthers are just in a bad, ugly, nasty spot. I really do think that. So yeah. I don't know, man. It, I I think it's certainly good to keep an eye on, but it's 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 more narrative based than anything else, and and perhaps that's that's the key here is don't just grab an old vet that gets paired with a rookie but look at the entire story here before you you do that it's kind of my mentality anyway yep so all right well hey i appreciate uh you bringing some surprises and disappointments to the table this was fun but it's time to play flex appeal baby so why don't you uh why don't you kick us off all righty baby let's get flexy here Mm. my first flex appeal of week 10 Ooh, it kind of feels gross saying week 10, man. No, we're in the double digits. It. it kind of makes me cringe a little. Yeah. It makes me Ooh. sad. makes me yeah. very sad. You're just full of sadness on this I podcast. Know. So. I know. Let's get flexy, baby. <laughs> um, Deontay Johnson versus Green Bay or Tank Dell versus Cincinnati. Hmm. I want to say Tank Dell because the Bengals don't really have a great pass defense. But Deontay Johnson came back from injury and was looking pretty spicy. I mean, he Mm. went seven for nine for 90 yards and a tutty against Tennessee this last week. So I think it's got to be Deontay Johnson for me. I think it's – I understand that that Cincinnati has a worse passing defense than the Packers, but what I like about Deontay Johnson is how much he gets peppered by Kenny Pickett. When he is on the field, he gets a lot of volume, and Deontay Johnson is still a talented wide receiver, so he's the wide receiver one for the Steelers team. I'm going to take Deontay Johnson in this one. Yeah, I – this one was kind of hard for me. I, I lean Deontay Johnson just because he is a he is a ball hog. That's what he is on this offense. Yeah. and. Can we talk about George Pickens for a second? Because I want to talk about his reaction to Deontay Johnson getting the touchdown. Like, what a shitty fucking teammate. What are you doing? I'm sorry. Uh, but, like, so Deontay Johnson, he catches his first touchdown in, like, 50 years, right? And George Pickens immediately goes to the sideline and, like, slams his helmet. And he's just, like, on the bench, like, looking disappointed because he didn't get a touchdown. Whereas Deontay Johnson, you know, he's all happy and he's dancing on the sideline, like, George Pickens isn't hyping his boy up. He's just really? sitting there on the sideline. Yeah. Well, Deontay Johnson hadn't gotten a touchdown since the Big Ben era. This was his first yeah. one. So yeah. that's pretty shitty. That's a terrible yeah. teammate. I would be very upset. Yeah. I might need to go find this clip. And that's yeah. just, that's go, go browse it. Yeah, wow. for sure. So, anyway, sorry. I just wanted to go on that little vent for a second because it, it's been lingering down. That makes in, me mad. Yeah, right. Like, this is a team sport. This isn't a. Well, fuck him. He got the touchdown and I didn't. Yeah. Maybe George get some Pickens separation, does. George Pickens, and then you might get the ball a couple times. Yep. Yeah, That's disgusting. Yeah. It is pretty bad. But uh, going back to the question, I think I am going to go with Tank Dell for the upside here. Okay. And the reason is Cincinnati is more of a, a pass funnel defense. Uh, Cincinnati has been stopping the run the past three weeks. They're only allowing... 49 yards to running backs so if houston wants a chance to win this game and that houston's going to be without um god what's his name uh not singletary i can't think of their starter right now but they're without their starting running back god i'm sorry i feel like a terrible analyst uh damian pierce yeah damian pierce there we go he's going to be out this week again um and they're going to have to throw the ball again to have a chance to win this game so give me tank dell for upside do you think Tank Dell is comparable to Gabe Davis as far as fantasy football output? 
Oh no, because he catches the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the the problem is him him getting targets. Four, ten, yeah. seven, three, four, injured by four, eleven. I think the problem with Tank Dell right now is that Nico Collins is there. Yeah. And Nico Collins is the wide receiver one. So it's just kind of matchup dependent for Tank Dell. And I, I think he is going to feast this week with uh, Nico Collins drawing more of the coverage from Cincinnati's top DB. Okay. I propose this question to you then Jerry Judy versus the Bills or Hollywood Brown against oh. the Falcons with a returning Kyler Murray. I don't even want to consider Jerry Judy, man. So it, it's Hollywood for me, and it, it's Hollywood. very easy. It's very easy because K1 is officially back, and I am all on the, the hype train this week. Um, Hollywood Brown last year, when him and Kyler Murray were on the field, Hollywood averaged 18 fantasy points per game with 10 targets and 71 yards. Uh, Hollywood Brown was a wide receiver seven at this point until D-Hop came back. I'm riding with Hollywood, man. Hell if yeah. you have Hollywood, this is what you've been waiting for all season. Amen. Start to that. him up. Yep. No, I I love it. I think the biggest concern obviously is is K one gonna be healthy enough to to get it done. I think he is. Obviously, if they're rolling him out into the field, I think he's gonna be ready to go and Hollywood Brown is the target. So it's I'm excited for Hollywood Brown. I own him in a league and it's I just I said and forget, and I am excited to see what happens for him. But as you know, as you mentioned, with DeAndre Hopkins gone on the field when Hollywood Brown was the wide receiver one for this team and K1 was on the field, he was a top 10 wide receiver, like season long for the first six weeks. I want to say he was wide receiver five or six. So, like, he, the numbers support it. Let's just see if he can get it done. I'm also taking Hollywood in this one. Can I ask you if you're excited as a Cardinals fan? Yeah. Are yeah. you excited for this week? Here's, you know, you there was a, a tweet posted on the Leather Brains account if if people would rather have Justin Fields or Kyler Murray. A lot of people said Justin Fields. Some people said Kyler Murray. I'm going to say this. I'm in on Kyler Murray. I think I have to be as a fan. What What's the alternative, you know? I, I think that it, Kyler Murray, for me, as a Cardinals fan is someone that I I think, and I hope this, I hope he did a lot of growing up in his injury. I hope he, he did a lot of soul searching. I don't think it was probably great for his mentality, but I think it was needed for his mentality to get hurt and see what people were saying about him. I think a lot of people are writing him off, and I think a lot of people are saying, let's move on from him, let's get him out of here. And the hope with it is that he wants to go in and prove people wrong and he wants to go show that he is all that in a bag of chips is probably what all the old people say. So I, I, I'm in on him. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to come out. I think he's going to show that he wants to be a part of this franchise and he wants to stick around and he wants to prove himself. So that as a fan, I think that's kind of where the, the pillar I have to stand on, but mentally that's where I'm at and I'm going to support Kyler Murray. I love it. I Thank love you. it. It's like a, a fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air here in the podcast. Yeah. You know, last week for me with Josh McDaniels getting fired. <laughs> this week for you, it's Kylie Murray coming Nowhere back. Nowhere to go but up, baby. We're back, baby. We're back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to Flex Appeal Slaps. I have a uh, nasty ish question. Uh, so, Garrett Wilson 
versus the Raiders with a nice matchup. Or Gus Edwards, who kind of blew up last week versus Cleveland. You picked some difficult. These are difficult because the the, the Raiders actually don't have a terrible pass defense, but the Browns have probably the best defense in the NFL, to be honest with you. So yeah. I, I think I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. I have too much respect for Miles Garrett. I think he is. I think he probably deserves Defensive Player of the Year. He is a scary man. He's my favorite defensive player in the NFL, and uh, and this defense in totality is is a very good defense. I can tell you this: I'm excited for that game. I'm so excited. This is probably the game of the week for me because the Browns are hot, the Ravens are even hotter, and I think this is going to be a really interesting showcase for them. So I'm going to take Garrett Wilson. I, I think just given the matchup, I think the Browns are going to stuff the run quite frequently and I, I think that the Jets are going to want to win this game against the Raiders who are very lackluster and so I think that Garrett Wilson is going to see the ball quite a few times I'm going to take Wilson on this one well I, I don't agree that the Raiders are lackluster but well, I agree with your decision <laughs> thank you <laughs> I will say this and I want to I, I want to pick your brain on this very quickly as we're talking about both of our our teams here I have my feelings towards it, but what did you think about the the Raiders coming out with their new head coach? He brought all the practice squad players onto the field. It seems like he's really encapsulated this entire team in a good, positive way. So as a Raiders fan, what are you thinking of of uh, the, the interim head coach? You know, one weekend, I, I love it. Uh, I think what we saw with Josh McDaniels was he's he tried to bring the Patriot way to the, to the Raiders when – the Raiders already have an identity. If you look at this team going back to the 60s, this team was a nasty, physical, violent team. They didn't give a fuck, and that's how the Raiders are. Josh McDaniels, he tried to bring the Patriot way, which is a professional way of bullshit, basically. He tried to change a, an identity overnight that just didn't work. But you have a guy like Damian Pierce who understood Antonio Pierce. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Like, Antonio Pierce. Back for the yep. Um, he understands the culture. He understands what the Raiders are about. And he knows that he needs to bring that energy in all the press conferences that I've seen with him. He's brought it. And he knows that it takes a team to to win, to have success. And that includes the practice squad guys. That includes the janitors. So he gets it. I love it from a, you know, one weekend. I think it's a great move at this point. Um, you know, if he keeps on winning, I hope he gets a job. But if, you know, if he doesn't win, unfortunately, that's the name of the game. That's how you're kind of judged. Yeah. I, my heart just freaking ripped open when I found out, like when he had that little press conference and they asked him why he had the practice players out there. I was just like, that's a guy who gets it. That's a guy who didn't let the moment of him, him becoming in charge get to be too big. I succeeded. I got to be the interim head coach, and I'm going to bring these players with me because they deserve it, and they are a part of this organization and a part of this team, and they deserve to be showcased in that way and see what it's like, see what the, the game day is like. It's like bringing the JV guys into the varsity game for, for high school football, and you're they're not going to play, but they're going to suit up, and they're going to sit there, and they're going to watch and support and cheer, and then they're also going to say, I want to be out there, so what do I need to do to push myself harder? I thought it was just such a cool just a cool little thing that he did and it made me it he earned a lot of respect from from a guy who is not a Raiders fan so I uh I just had to had to ask you that because I thought it was a really really cool thing so you're also he taking Garrett it, Wilson man. yeah 
Okay. Yeah, I'm taking Garrett Wilson. Yep. Okay. Well, then let me ask you this. Alexander Madison versus the Saints or Rashad White versus the Titans? My decision here might surprise you a little bit. Um, I'm going with Rashad White. Wow. Um, so Tennessee is notoriously a, a, a run-stopping defense, right? But actually, over the last three weeks, they've allowed 111 yards to running backs, which is the third most in the league. Um, you look at last week, Najee Harris, all inefficient Najee uh, Harris. He had 69 yards on 16 carries. Nice. And then nice. Jalen Warren had 88 yards on 11 carries. So they got it done on the ground. Rashad White is coming off a huge game last week, and I think they're going to continue to feed him, whether it's on the ground or through the air. Um, so I'm rolling with Rashad White. Okay. That is not what I thought you were going to say. I, I know that you are not really a White supporter. I have a question for you. Does Alexander Madison without Cam Akers, like he's now pretty much solidified himself as as the RB1 again for this team. So does that make you a little bit more, obviously we don't root for injury and I'm very sad to hear about Cam Akers Achilles again, but does for fantasy purposes, Alexander Madison become a little bit more appealing for you? A little bit, um, but I, I think my main concerns with this offense are the is that the volume isn't there for a running back to succeed. If you look at what they're doing, all everything is through the air. Mm-hmm. And I think last week they needed Madison because they had a rookie running or rookie quarterback until Josh Dobbs went in. And then I think they still needed Alexander Madison. But now that Josh Dobbs has a week under his belt, I think they might open it up a little bit more for him to throw the ball. Do you think that they that we still might see more of a shift to a little bit more of a run game just to try and even out the field without Kirk Cousins back there? I don't think they'll need to with Dobbs, no. man. I think as he gets more com- comfortable with his playbook, they're just going to let him loose like they did with Kirk Cousins. The pastor not, baby. I, uh, I'm i going to take Madison on this one. The Saints don't I, – I, I hear what you're saying. <sighs> Rashad White's not a very efficient running back either. Mm-hmm. So it makes it makes it really hard. You know what? I'll take Rashad White. You've convinced me. I, I You look at, like, he is the only competition in this running back room, and he is involved in the passing game quite a bit still. And um, I'll take Rashad White. You've convinced me. We'll do Rashad White versus the Titans. Welcome to the dark side, baby. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> All right, my last flex appeal slaps. Are you ready for it? I'm ready, baby. Jahan Dotson versus Seattle or Chris Godwin versus Tennessee. What are you going to do? You're the only Tennessee, baby. Hey, yo. This is is gross. This, This is gross, Yeti. Why'd you do this to me? I think... A part of, mm, I'm going to take Jahan Dotson. I'm going to take Jahan Dotson. I'm going to take Jahan Dotson because while he has been largely inefficient in fantasy football, his volume is still there. His volume pretty much most of the season has always been there. The problem is, is he just hasn't caught them. And I don't, I, I don't think those are all his fault. I think part of that is the, uh, the, the quarterback's fault or the offense's fault in general, but Jahan Dotson is seeing great usage. He just isn't for NFL efficiency, but he's not for fantasy football, but he's starting to, 
And I think that could be, I don't want to say it's, it's, you know, I don't want to say that it's going to be the end of it. And this was just a two week span, but he put up 20 points and 14 points these last two games. So I'm going to take Jahan Dotson. Seattle's defense is also a little bit worse in the passing game than Tennessee's is, are, is. Uh, and Chris Godwin has been a little lackluster this season as well. So um, he still sees, I would say they probably see similar target volume. I think Chris Godwin's is a little bit better, but Tennessee's defense passing is also a little bit better as well. So I, I was torn on this one myself, um, but I think what really did it for me is the fact that Curtis Samuel is coming back this week. He's been out the past two weeks, and when Curtis Samuel's on the field, he's kind of their gadget guy there in Washington, and they try to get him the ball as much as possible. So if he's ready to come back and if he's going to play a full snap share, I think Dotson is the one that is unfortunately hurt by that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with Chris Godwin and I'm gonna take the safety net of those ten to twelve PPR points that he's been averaging so far this season. Okay. Last one here, and we'll get out of here. We talked about Christian Kirk a little bit earlier, so we had to bring him to the table. Christian Kirk versus the Niners or Joshua Downs Downs versus the Patriots. Yeah, I, I think both of these guys have a clear pass to success this week. You know, they both have cupcake matchups. But I, I think the game script tends to favor Christian Kirk this week. Um, I, I think what the 49ers are going to do against Jacksonville is stop the run uh, and then make Sunshine throw the ball. And if that's the case, uh, the 49ers haven't been that great against stopping the, the pass. We like to say this defense is elite, but their secondary has been far from elite so far this season. So I think more volume for Christian Kirk this week in a, a game where they're going to have to throw the ball. I love Christian Kirk over Joshua Downs this week. I would agree with you for everything you just said. I think that, you know, ETN, as we talked about earlier in the show, ETN is Eaton. He is the guy for them. And so 49ers are going to stop that. And uh, the way to beat the 49ers is pass on them. So I think that's what the 49ers are going to continue to do. And Christian Kirk is wide receiver one for this team. Sign me up. That's it, Yeti. That's all the time we got, baby. There's no brain busters on today's episode, so there's no questions. But... If anybody has any questions in the future, go follow us over at YouTube, hit the subscribe button, and put your comments in, and we'll answer them at the end of the show. So we uh, appreciate everybody's continued support. Best of luck in Week 10 for fantasy football. I love you guys, and we are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.